Peter and I will be hosting the show this evening until five o'clock. And first up, we are going to be speaking with Colin, who is an Aboriginal activist and he has done work on sovereignty, working with sovereignty and civil rights. And we'll be speaking to him shortly. And then after that, we're going to be speaking, going to be speaking with um, Tarnine from uh, the, the Sacred Trees Project. And indeed, this is a project. We're going to be talking to her about the protection of um, a birth, a particular birth tree that has been that that may be cut down due to a Vic Roads project in the northern suburbs, in the Ararat there. So we're going to be speaking with her uh, hopefully pretty soon, and then we're going to be speaking with Sam Watson, Aboriginal activist from Queensland, and the. The focus on today's show is the lead up to NAIDOC week. So we're going to be speaking about that as well. And indeed, that is particularly relevant. So it's approximately 4.01 and we're going to be speaking with them very, very shortly. Uh, But in the meantime, we'll go into uh, an an announcement um, pretty soon. Now, just to to warn listeners that there there may be images of... um, you know, people that have died, just, just to let you know. Sometimes when we do Aboriginal um, media, there there are things that, uh, you know, perhaps may be upsetting to some listeners. So, so just to warn you about that. And in fact, I think, yep, I'm going to go into an announcement right now. We will not negotiate with minor state of title government or anyone on, on our culture, on, on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scungy dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. For Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that. That nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. Now, you know where I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded, I think we've just got to admit that this is an Aboriginal country. Just do it. Yeah, I'm Brian, yeah. this is Nigel. How you going? Happy Nadoc week. And yeah, we're just going to do a bit of solo on the DJ. Beautiful. In July 2018, 3CR proudly presents Beyond the Bars coming to you right across Nadoc week. Beyond the Bars is Australia's only live prison radio broadcast giving a voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates. On Monday, July 9th, we're live from Deer Park Women's Prison from 11am. On Tuesday, July 10th, we're at Barwon Prison from 11 till 2. On Wednesday, July 11th, you can hear from the men at Fulham between 12 and 2. And then catch the men from Loddon Prison between 2 and 4. On Thursday, July 12th, we're live from Port Phillip Prison. And on Friday, our final broadcast for the week is from Marguerite Correctional Centre between 11 and 2. Make sure you tune in for Beyond the Bars 2018, Monday, July 9th through to Friday, July 13th, celebrating NAIDOC Week with the men and women inside.
And you're back with the Doing Time show. We were meant to be speaking with Colin about sovereignty, but he's not available. But I'm hoping that we've got Tani on the line. Um, Tarnine, yeah. Tarnine, fantastic. Oh, so we've got Tarnine on the line and, and speaking about um, sacred trees. And Tarnine, it's Marissa and Peter here. Okay. It, you're on air and it's lovely to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, Tarnine, you've probably been interviewed um, on 3CR quite a few times now, haven't you? Yeah? Sorry? You've probably been interviewed on 3CR a few times now, isn't it, for other programs? But, you know, it doesn't hurt, does it, to promote the issue even further? And, in fact, just before we start, I just wanted to let you know, give you a bit of an explanation. Um, I was just talking off air that um, this is a prison show. So we've got a small listenership in prison and we have Indigenous listeners as well. So um, just to to let you know what audience you're speaking to. And we do a lot of work um, here around media, around Aboriginal deaths in custody and we we look at the massacres as well. Yeah, so I'm wondering if you could just start off by talking about the birth tree and and just talk about what, what land you're from and just a little bit of background about what's happening. Yeah, um, so my mob is Yiga, Gunnishmara, Japarong, Vandal, and Turtle Islander as well. Um, and yeah, I guess we've been campaigning to save this sacred tree. We're not limiting our um, trees to just birthing trees because they would have been used for many other things as well. So um, yeah, um, we're calling the sacred tree, but also the cultural landscape that area. It's just a bit of a um, It's very beautiful and there's caves there as well and you can rock art so, around that area. But at the moment there's um, lots of trees under threat and lots of scar trees. But of course there's the two main trees which are around, you know, 800 years old which are under threat. So they were obviously also used for cooking and shelter, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. And so that's really sacred women's business, isn't it, to have to, to have the the birth tree there? Yeah, well, it's, um, like I think it's just a sacred place in general. Like, really, it's beautiful, and when you're there, you can just feel the strength of the trees, and like, you know, it's brought so much of the community together um, to campaign against the trees because you know it's like such a sacred place, and it just you know, it'd kill me if the trees were taken down for a road because it was you know, extending the Western Highway. Um, and, you know, there is an alternative route as well. Um, I'm not exactly sure on what exactly yeah. the alternative route is um, because there's another group yeah. campaigning, they're campaigning for that part. And we're campaigning to save the trees and that cultural landscape because they're looking at taking down like you know a hill and doing lots of earthworks as well yeah i'm in fact i was actually reading a media release in regards to a statement by lydia thorpe um the mp greens um for northcote Mm -hmm. and she was saying that that indeed there is an alternative route route um there there and it's it really isn't appropriate is it for for this to happen and so just to let listeners know it is the vic roads western highway isn't it that mm-hmm. and there's yeah. there's a duplication project, isn't there, at Buanga, Western Victoria? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So at the moment there's an embassy that's been set up there. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so at the moment there we've got um, you know, there's like there's so we've got the embassy up near the highway and then we've got the other camp as well, um, at the other tree. We've got another little camp there, there's another beautiful tree which we want protected. So, um, yeah, it's just been really deadly to like see community get around, especially like a lot of the queer community as well really, like, came out, which is um, really deadly. But, yeah, I think that, you know, we've been, at, like, camping out now for two weeks and it's just been really good to meet new people and people come and support. Absolutely. And, and in fact, on Saturday, the 30th, was it the, the 30th of June, there was actually a... Um, um, a gathering, was it? Yeah, so on Saturday, we the Jackaron people's gathering where we talked, spoke about, you know, just information sharing sessions so that our community can be informed, they can make an informed decision about what they want to do with the trees. And we'll have another meeting in a couple of weeks to meet up and so then people can you know, have a think about what they want um, and what decisions they want to make and so that they're informed. Um, that was the main thing because I think the whole thing with this was that nobody's been informed about the trees. There hasn't been a proper process um, of actually consulting the community and about the, the cultural significance of the trees and the, the cultural landscape there. I mean, you know, ignorance is no excuse, really. I mean, I, I find it totally um, abysmal that, you know, while I, I don't have a problem with drivers being safe, I think it's important, isn't it, to prevent, you know, car accidents. But there really needs to be more thought being done into this. And historically, mm. you know, during the process of colonisation, um, there's been a lot of um, lack of consultation with Aboriginal people, isn't it? Yeah. I think, you know, like when they did first, when we first were colonised, they were chopping down the trees and, like, our ancestors were so upset that they were doing that and, like, these trees hold our song lines and that country holds our song lines. So, if you know, if they keep chopping down our trees and, you know, we are in a treaty process as well, like, and if they want to be real, if the Andrews government want to be real about um, doing a treaty with Aboriginal people in Victoria, then... This is a way, you know, like you can't just destroy cultural heritage sites and then want to do a treaty with us. Like, it's very dangerous, I think. It's 788 um, all over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've it's got... disgusting. It is. It is disgusting. Mm. It's true. I mean, is it true then that, you know, I'm just having a look here at the statement about the embassy here. Is it true that there are dreaming sites and song lines and... You know, um, in the region, there's about 750 recorded cultural heritage sites, aren't there? A third of which yes, are scarred are. trees. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And can I just talk about, or, or maybe you can talk about, where does the, so the highway, where does the highway run? So the highway runs... Um, oh, you're breaking out. That's better. Say, say uh, that again. It runs from Beaufort to... It 
runs from Beaufort yep. to Ararat. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and then I would extend it, and then it would cut through, um, yeah, hills. So I'd have to dig thirteen meter deep, um, thirteen meters deep into these hills, which carry our song line. What? Yeah. No, that, that's that's. <laughs> So here, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, right? It says here that the highway runs across the foot of Mount Langi, and which means home of the black cockatoo, mm-hmm. and yeah. it contains important stories and sites, including rock paintings, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, in Victoria, we've been so badly massacred, and like this is just adding on. You know, like it's. It's just, you know, it's really upsetting to know, like, to see that the amount, the extreme violence which Victorian, like, Aboriginal people in Victoria have experienced is just continuing and the destruction of our culture, you know. They tried to destroy our languages and, you know, like, which we're starting to revive now, but it's just, you know, there's never, it's never ending. The destruction of our cultural heritage sites and... You know, the Act is played into that as well. The Act doesn't even really protect our sites. It's made to destroy them. So, yeah, it's really upsetting. And it's, it, it's you know, even about... the um, Sorry, the anniversary of Mile Creek has just passed, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's yeah. not in Victoria, but it's um, yeah. a sort of, isn't it? Not, not the border, it's in Moree, isn't it? And yeah, in New South Wales, but you know, like in around Jathrong and Gundjumara country, yeah. you know, the Gundjumara used to be twenty two thousand, and it went down to six hundred in a hundred years. Yeah. So that area is just a grave site. It is a massacre site. That area. It is. And there was massacres that happened to two hundred people at a time. So, yeah. you yeah. know. To be honest, the only reason why I mentioned that example is because. Um, there was a special on Knit TV a couple of weeks ago that I saw about yeah. how the the, perpet- the 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 descendants of the perpetrators came together with the people, the descendants of the people that were massacred, and it was really really powerful. You know, there were tears and hugs, and people were 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 talking about what had happened, and that's powerful. Yeah. And there really needs to be more done. You know, um, and of course, there are massacres in Victoria, and I'm going to make it my business actually this year to, um, and I'm sure Peter agrees here to do something on doing time about that about more mass about the massacres that have happened in Victoria because it has yeah. to be talked about. Yeah, you can, if you just Google Victorian mass Aboriginal massacres, yeah, map there's like a map of it. Yeah, um, yeah, you can find a map. It's only for a short amount of time, but. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty disgraceful about the mass that happened in Victoria. I mean, it's no use having NAIDOC Week and celebrating NAIDOC Week without talking about this stuff. Yeah, it is like, especially, you know, the theme this year is because of her we can. <laughs> okay. Can you talk about that yeah. theme? What, what, is, what is that theme? Uh, so it's pretty much just celebrating Aboriginal women and... Um, you know, like, because of her, I can, you know, like, my grandmother or people's grandparents or 
you know, like it's just about celebrating Aboriginal women who are leaders, not in just in our community but as individuals. Good. There needs to be more of that. Yeah. So um, in, in terms of just going back to the trees um, with, with Aboriginal Victoria, um, in terms of the, the sorry, the campaign, where, where's it going to go to now? Like what's, what's happening with that? Like has there been a date set to cut the trees or is there um, a blockade or what, what's happening there? Um, so at the moment the Vic Roads haven't given any, they said they've, they're stopping work, but they haven't given anything in writing. Oh. Um, and also the, the government has also given some, like the federal government has given some protection around the trees, but it's not, I think it's only like 28 days. Right. Um, but yeah, it's only like certain areas, so it's not actually the whole highway where the activity will go. And you've got a bunch of demands here. Um, do you have those in front of you or do you want me to read them out? Oh, you can read them out. I don't sure. I just wanted to give you that chance because it is important, isn't it? And please interrupt me um, if you want to come in here. Um, have you got a bit more time? I just want to read out these demands just so that listeners know, yeah? So the first demand um, from the statement is Vic Roads act in good faith, work with, how do you pronounce it, DJAB? How do you say it? Oh, Japaram. Japaram. Oh, it's not, I don't know, that's not spelt here. Maybe there's a typo. Japaram people to plan a route that minimises the destruction of culturally significant trees and sites. The second demand is Aboriginal Victoria and Vic Roads commission a complex assessment of cultural heritage along the planned upgrade area between Bunya and Ararat to be undertaken by Eastern Aboriginal Corporation and this will allow more traditional owners an opportunity to capture the spiritual and social significance of our sacred sites within the planned works area. And the last one is Aboriginal Victoria work with traditional owners to correct deficiencies in the Aboriginal Heritage Act 2006 and its regulations to allow for increased protection of and clearer archaeological criteria for culturally modified trees. And can, do you want to just expand on that? Yeah, so it's just about trying to, like, I think it's just like calling out the fact that the Act is not actually, it actually doesn't support Aboriginal cultural heritage side. It's not very, like, it's like hard to explain. It's, yeah, it's just really, it's, yeah, because of the way the Act is, it doesn't exactly protect it. So, like, you know, for Eastern Ma, for instance, they, yeah. you know, have to sign off on yeah. things all the time. So it's actually not made really to protect Aboriginal culture heritage sites. It's made for Aboriginal people to have to break them um, to actually, you know, for someone to build a house. So... Yeah, the toys being broken is actually not properly supported, supportive of Aboriginal cultural heritage sites. So even though there's a there's a heritage act, it it's not it can't protect those trees, huh? Well, there's been an organisation which signed off on it in yep. 2012, and they don't have an open membership, so it's only like a few people who signed off on it yeah. um, and it wasn't a consultation with the Japarong, um community. So I think uh. that it's definitely flawed 
the process. So yeah. So you're saying that they didn't actually cons- they did consult with Aboriginal people, but not from the land, the right land. Well, they 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 consulted with the people from the right land, yeah. but those it was only a small group of people, and four people, and uh, when they did the consultation, they said that it has no cultural significance. <gasps> and they said yes. They actually said yeah. yes to have them cut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how can that happen? Yeah. Well, it did, and um, I guess that's what happens when it's a small group of people. It's not an actual community-making decision. That's appalling. It's approximately 4.20, and you're speaking with um, Tarnine, is that right? Tarnine, yeah. Yeah, that's right, Tarnine, and um, she's talking about the the sacred trees and looking at what we can do to move forward. And uh, just a quick comment here that, as she said... um, you know, the, the fact that there's treaty, um, hopefully treaty coming into Victoria and then the government doing this, it's a bit um, double standard, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for coming onto the program. We really loved having you. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we finish? Um, I think that people, you know, they are they are asking what they can do to help and I think that... Um, if they can go onto the Japarang Protective Embassy, um, <coughs> Protection Embassy, um, then they can find um, a template where they can send to Richard Wynn, Daniel Andrews, Natalie Hutchins, and also like if people can get down to camp as well, that would be really deadly. Okay, and so there is a camp now, and that they're staying overnight, obviously, at this camp to protect the trees. Is that right? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, thanks so much, and um, hoping we can have you ba- have you back um, at some stage for for future updates. We're going to keep a close eye on this. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Happy thanks. NADOC week for next week. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Bye, sis. Bye. Bye-bye. And that was Tarnine uh, from the Sacred Trees campaign, speaking about um, the. The terrible atrocities um, that are are happening in terms of the government wanting to cut down these trees, there really needs to be an alternative route for that northern highway. Yeah. And it's approximately 4.22 and uh, unfortunately Colin isn't available. We did try to call him. And I'm going to put a song on now called Cry Freedom by the Charcoal Lane Club. And in the meantime, we may be able to hopefully have Sam Watson on early. And you're back with the oh, with the doing time show. Um, something's up here. It's on hold. Yeah, um, you're back with the doing time show. We need to. We've had Hi. some tef- technical difficulties. Go we'll now. just right. okay. We're just gonna see what happens now. Hello, Colin. Hello, Colin. Yes. Hello. Oh, there you are. <laughs> you you were missing an action there for a while. <laughs> no, no, I was listening. You just I thought you were talking to somebody else. No, nah, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, um, Colin, for, for making yourself available. It was meant to be 4 o'clock. It's 4.27, but better late than never. <laughs> yeah, no, um, my apologies for not remembering it on time. That's okay. That's okay. It's lovely to have you, Colin. Now, you're on air, um, and I'm, but I'm sure Peter would have told you that, and just wanting to just talk about what land you're from. 
And if you can talk um, about some of the work around sovereignty and what you've been doing. Yeah, I'm a Darabon and a Nungai. And um, sovereignty, um, I've done a court case in 1987 on the 8th of the 12th. Um, observer artifacts from the museum. I, um, went to court over it. Um, the court's trying to explain, uh, the police are asking about the goods in custody, stolen artifacts. So I said, yes, they were. I said, but I liberated them. So they, you're saying they prosecuted you for doing that? Why is that? Big fun. Why did they do that? Well, I liberated them from the museum. Okay. And yet it's not the property, really, of the museum, is it? No. I argued the sovereignty of ownership, blood right of heritage by descent, and I argued my religion, culture and spirituality, as well as the names of my nation, as well as my elders that didn't sign no treaty. Uh Uh-uh. And why didn't the museum give those back? It's a private museum. Right. They're um, based around capital income of Aboriginal artefacts to be put on display. Yeah. But while they were wanting to do that in the transfer, they were showing them such disrespect, I just wasn't going to tolerate that no more. Absolutely. So... What happened was um, a couple of the workers there, non-Aboriginals, asked me, did I want to uh, secure those artefacts? I said I did. They asked me how much would I pay for those artefacts? I said, not one cent, but I will pay you all the petrol money to deliver them. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, those artefacts did not have a value attached that white man can adapt rather than the cultural base of the sentimental attachment to Aboriginal Australia's influences past, present and in the future at the same time of completing that court case I argued that we were at war the Crown tried to argue there was no war the um Lawyer, a QC, Mr Bruce Miles, at the time of the legal service, he and I proved and demonstrated that we were at war and there was no treaty and currently we're in a country of occupation. That was done on the 8th of the 12th, 1987. Judge Robert Maverick uh, declared that this is displaced people's lands and all the rest of Australia is also that. At the same time, we acknowledge displaced people's lands we acknowledge our sovereignty is being liberated. It wasn't given back to you. It's just being liberated from the occupation of government. Yeah. It's now in your hands, each one of us, individual, past, present, and our grandchildren-to-be, that we acknowledge and identify our sovereignty. Never let it be forgotten or pushed aside. Where the groups talk about treaties, but the government does not acknowledge a sovereignty in that treaty negotiations. Therefore, it's not a treaty. It's a business deal. For government to talk treaty to us, 
we, the sovereign people, have to supply a treaty as well, with our terms, not theirs. And due to that due process being still in play, it's bringing it to the forefront and making sure everybody knows and understands that it is ours, and it's been ours from that date, liberated. Prior to the 8th of the 12th, 1987, everything is war crime. From the 8th of the 12th, uh, 1987, everything after that, post-war, is crimes against humanity, against the Aboriginal peoples. And that was the outcome of the court case that I've done. Yep. And seeing that uh, I had to wait 20 years so the law couldn't be changed and then come back out and explain it to everybody. In practice, has ever anything changed? I think it's got worse. Yeah. Mind you, the first part was brilliant. We had ADSIC, that was uh, part of the conditions of displaced people's lands, that we have our own representation and political mouth. Since then, the uh, pressures, oppression of the government, consecutive governments has removed that and tried to mainstream us, but yet they give us no quarter on our civil rights, our custodian rights. And I'm a sovereignist. At the same time, I'm a committee member and the artist for the Mile Creek Massacre Memorial Site. And in Can you tell us a bit about Mile Creek? Well, it was about a murder, a massacre of uh, one adult male and 27 uh, women and children. And um, the uh, whites that were involved in that massacre, they were tried and hung, except for the uh, cocky son. The rest were convicts, so they sacrificed the convicts and kept the cocky son out of it. But at the end of the day, uh, we just finished our 180th uh, memorial on the 10th of June, and it was a brilliant day. It's all dancers there. We had all the jargons there with us dancing. Um, people come from everywhere, and about 70% of that is made up of whites coming pay their respect and like I said it's something that should not be forgotten and I emphasise lest we forget as a part of the frontier wars should be remembered Indeed it should be you know it's it's very powerful Um, I was talking early on in the show with Tarnine from Victoria um, about the sacred trees and how about they want to chop down the trees um, to make up make way for the Northern Vicks Roads Highway. And we talked about Mile Creek, and um, I'm so glad that you, you included that here. I'm honoured and privileged that you allow me to do so. It's a privilege to have you. It's, it's great. So, Colin, you, you know, it sounds like you've done, you've done a lot of work um, and you're an elder in, in these matters. What, what advice would you give listeners about how to help with all this? Put it this way, the more we try to adapt, we also take in all the corruption that's with it. 
and perhaps if the elders uh, came into play more under the cultural banner of what they should be and should be doing. And I've, I was reared up where I didn't back chat me elders, done what I was told, virtually blind obedience, but given the common sense of good logic and everything else that goes with it. And I suppose it's a thing where uh, there's opportunities there to get ahead. we just got to see them in a different light and take, oh, like my great-grandmother and my grandmother, they told me to take the best of both worlds and walk forward with that. And I mean, done the best I could, but even though I fall down in spots, I still get up and have a go again. Are you a member of the Stolen Generation, Colin? No, but I was pretty close. Yeah. I was in the tail end of that. I'd done time in the boys' home, but I got returned home. Well, in a way, you were stolen. Yeah, but it was an education too. The College of Knowledge, huh? <laughs> the College of Knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, I suppose, not much different to anybody else who been through the ropes. Growing up in Sydney, you're going to get in twice as much trouble as anywhere else. Yeah. Been there, done that. Learned a better way of doing it. And I learned about good communities and community people. You know, we all have to make a destiny walk. That's and it. And I decided I will walk on sovereignty and I'll walk into the future knowing that. So basically, when it was first advertised as displaced people's lands... A lot of the people had no knowledge or understanding of what that meant. So today, all I'm doing is a bit of a history lesson explaining the interpretations of what it uh, translates to to you, the everyday Aboriginal all around Australia, including myself. And sovereignty also means that the government needs to recognise that there were people on this land before colonisation, isn't it? That's right. And I'll add another word. Still are. That's it. Yep. It's a thing where uh, if we're to make progress, we're to do negotiations, then we need to understand that arbitration. And for those people who have uh, been talking about treaty and stuff, let me chuck a little extra in for them. A bill of rights. Right? You can break a treaty treaties getting broken all around the world. But if you have a Bill of Rights from your Parliament of your civil rights, then that makes that quite questionable to even attempt to do so for both sides of the treaty. That's just something I've been pushing in with it. I'm not a, wanting to talk treaty or anything. I want to talk sovereignty. But by the same token, with my sovereignty comes the responsibility of treaty. And understanding and embracing all of that uh, would embrace me. Let's educate each other. And I mean, we've been tired of trying to educate the government to us. Let's try and educate us to us and walk together as one and negotiate with government. Exactly, because if we don't educate each other, what have we got? Yeah, but... They're picking us off one by one, uh, if they could. If we're all united under one banner, in which case we are, whether we know it or not, or like it or not, but there's a couple of 
banners you get a brave there, but displaced people's lands is the current banner that every Aboriginal past, present and in the future is currently on. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. But, but at the same time, would that also mean that um, Aboriginal people would, would have their own land but unite under the one banner as well? Yep. Yeah. It's like the continent that we sit on, from where I stand, it's called Kamara. My part of country on Kamara is Darabur and Noongar. Okay. Colin, I'd love, I want to continue this conversation with you. We've actually actually got to move on now and interview Sam Watson from yep. Queensland. Um, but yeah, are you happy to come back on the show at some stage? I'll be honoured and privileged if I could. That'll be lovely. Be we'll, we'll call you in a couple of weeks and we'll do a follow-up and we'll have a continuation of this. Yep, no worries. Thank Thanks, you so Colin. much, Colin. Right, bye. Bye-bye. And that was, we were speaking with Colin um, about sovereignty and all sorts of things and treaty and... And we'll be speaking with him again um, because we always, we have to keep this alive. And I'm just going to go into an announcement and then we're going to be speaking with Sam Watson. As Prime Minister of Australia, I am sorry. On behalf of we're coming live to you from the Aboriginal Ten Embassy in Canberra as part of the Sorry Day Convergence. And here comes Gila. How you going, Giller? How's it going, Gab? How's it going, uh, all you listeners down Melbourne? And you're missing a great time up here and uh, a great day. Subscribe to your award-winning independent community radio station, bringing you coverage of community issues and events. We need your support. Call 9419-8377 and subscribe today. We can't face the future now. I feel hopeful, I feel grateful, I feel sorry. As an Aboriginal person, let me shake your hand. Thanks very much for being here today. Thank you very much. No worries. And you're back with the Doing Time show. Um, Sam, it's Marissa. How you doing, know, 3CR. Yeah, look, it's great to have you. Um, sorry we're a bit late. <laughs> I was a bit late too. I got tied up with some other business up here, but no drama. We're That's talking. okay. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Now, Sam, I'm wondering if we haven't got much time, but I'm wondering if you could just make a few comments about NAIDOC week and look at the theme of it and see what's happening in Queensland next week. Oh, yeah. Well, we have our big family fun day in Musgrave Park, plus there's a whole lot of stuff happening right across our community. Our mob are very proud of their culture, very proud of their community, and uh, they've done a whole lot of things because uh, this year, of course, the national team for NADOC yep. is because of her weekend. So we're really celebrating and acknowledging and recognising the enormous contribution made by our grannies and our mums and our aunties, sisters, cousins, nieces, uh, right across the community. But it's right throughout our struggle. You know, it's been the women who've been there right in the front line, mate, and uh, we're so proud and uh, we just love our mob so much. But too often, uh, women and their role and their contribution uh, don't get the recognition they should. So this year, uh, we're going to make sure that uh, they do get that recognition and that we 
acknowledge exactly how important they are to our mob, our community. Absolutely, and that's that's so important, isn't it? It's um, so that when does NAIDOT Week starts next week, doesn't it? What date? Oh, it's a bit weird this this year because uh, J- July one was uh, was yesterday, and it's generally yeah. the uh, first Sunday in July, so it's a bit oh. all over the joint. And uh, our NAIDOT Week is really next week, so the second week. So, oh. but no drama because I mean, you know, our mob were around long before the Julian calendar, so. Uh, <laughs> We'll get it sorted. Okay. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and in fact, um, one of the things to celebrate this year, if it, well, I use the word celebrate a bit cautiously actually, but is the, the Palm, Palm Islanders um, won the official apology for police violence and discrimination in the Lex Watton um, um, court case. Well, not just Lex Watton, but yeah, yeah. Palm Island. Mm, it's a lot of... Lot of- Politics, a lot of legal manoeuvring, and that. So, I'm, you know, we got family up there on Palm. We uh, we've been involved in this right the way through. But uh, you know, the government gave an apology. Um, government's going to pay uh, thirty million dollars. At the end of the day, uh, the coppers who did all the business on Palm during uh, you know November two thousand and four uh, are going to get away scot free. And uh, that's right. And that's that's just not good enough because those coppers terrorised our kids. They they terrorised our children. They terrorised uh, you know, pregnant women, elders, uh, bashed men. You know, and uh, and they all the time through that they wore these balaclavas so people couldn't recognise. So that's just crap. Because at the end of the day, you, you'd want these fellows to be held accountable. So we've been saying for a long, long time that uh, part of any settlement should be those coppers line up in front of the Palm Island community, taking the balaclavas off and offering a genuine formal apology. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And you, you've, you've got to walk your talk, isn't it? That's right. That's right, because, uh, you know, even 2018, uh, you know, 14 years after it happened, we still have people who are severely traumatised by the events of that time. Uh, we've still got uh, graves down in the cemetery, uh, from people who, uh, you know, um, were severely impacted upon, fatally impacted upon by what happened. You know, I've got uh, we got a niece who's a special needs kid who was terrorised by grown, you know, these grown men yeah. with body automatic weapons. Mate, uh, you know, they call themselves men. They're not. They're not men. You know, they're, they're thugs. They're rats, and yeah. uh, mm. they're just not. Uh, yeah, they're not. They're not entitled to wear those uniforms. Uh, so. Until I, I fess up and stand there in front of the community and offer that uh, genuine apology because they did things that were wrong. And uh, as all the evidence now shows, uh, that was a, an enormous, dramatic, fascist overreaction by the Queensland government and by the Queensland police force. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you talked about that, Sam, because it doesn't talk like that in in the media you know like it it's it kind of says oh, all right you know that the apology is the second phase of a class action settlement that the government agreed to do you know what i mean but it i'm really glad that you were able to focus on what really happened and what should be done yeah because uh during the uh the lead up to the commonwealth games there's every indication that uh the chairman of the commonwealth games peter Beattie may have even been subpoenaed in the court 
to talk about uh, to answer questions about why he called why he called the spike and be in the state of emergency. Um, so I think the, uh, the government took a quick sidestep to make sure the Commonwealth Games proceeded without any political drama, and uh, yeah. they uh, they agreed to sign the uh, the deed of settlement and make the payment. But uh, like I said, at the end of the day, you got a uh, large number of coppers who went over there. I mean, they even the Queensland Police even even requested from the Australian Air Force a Black Hawk helicopter, you know, right. a gunship to go into Palm Island. Right. And, and that reminded me of, you know, the uh, the scenes from uh, that uh, movie Apocalypse Now where you've got the uh, those, um, you know, heavily armed gunships uh, going into, sweeping in the strafe, the villages uh, of, of the Vietnamese rice farmers. Yeah. And, uh, would have been the same scenario. You'd have had heavily armed gunships sweeping into Palm Island to terrorise the group of unarmed civilians. You know, yeah. absolutely appalling. Yeah. So there's, uh, I still say there's got to be a royal commission into that whole episode because uh, not one single copper has ever had to face yeah. any sort of sanction, any legal sanction. It's yeah. a Queensland taxpayer that's yeah. picking up the bill, and that's wrong. Because it wasn't the Queensland taxpayers who wore balaclavas. It wasn't the Queensland taxpayers who murdered our brother in the Palm Island Watch House. It wasn't the Queensland taxpayers who came onto the island with balaclavas and laser-sided weapons to terrorise people, brutalise people. So Queensland coppers still have a lot to answer for. Thank you so much, Sam. And, and in fact, we invited you onto the show um, really to talk about that because NAIDOC Week really doesn't mean anything anyway, or well, to me anyway, um, unless we can correct the wrongs of what's happened and move forward. That's right, because youngies across our community <coughs> carry those, wore those shirts during the Commonwealth Games, you know, to remind people that the struggle for justice still goes on and... Uh, that's what it's all about, you know. No justice, no sovereignty. Uh, then there can't be any settlement. One time. You mean the stolen wealth games? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, no good, no good uh, counting the number of gold medals. Uh, what they should be counting are the number of graves out there of, of Aboriginal men and women and children who died in police custody. Indeed, and that's one of the things that we we need to say also that the 351 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody um, has not been implemented. That's right. It was back in 1991. Uh, the recommendations were handed out, the reports were handed out, but uh, every time there's an Aboriginal death in custody, uh, you, can, you can count, you know, on fingers of one hand, uh, the numbers of recommendations that the police were aware of or just did not implement. So, so it's just a matter of paper, you know, because the uh, the Royal Commission and their Aboriginal Death and Custody took evidence over four years. The government's, state and federal government spent hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, they hand down the 339 recommendations. They uh, hand down the reports. 339, the government sorry. Those, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. The government's... Uh, accepted and endorsed the recommendations, but uh, they just, uh, you know, 
the you walk up to any copper in, in Australia, and not not one of those coppers could tell you anything about those 389 recommendations. Yeah. You look at any of the deaths in custody. You look at Western Australia, Miss Do. You know, you look at uh, at uh, oh, there's you know, the Northern Territory and South Australia, in, in in Victoria, you know, New South Wales, Queensland, right across the countryside. Every single Aboriginal death in custody. All the coppers had to do is study those recommendations, implement the recommendations, and people would live to walk out of the watch house. You know, it's, it's that simple. But uh, coppers just don't do it because they don't, do not respect uh, or acknowledge the humanity of our Aboriginal people. That's exactly right. And, you know, Colin, who spoke before you, um, you know Colin from New South Wales? Um, talks about so, talked about sovereignty and treaty. He did a lot of stuff on um, civil rights, and he talked a bit about this stuff. Yeah. Just also to take a bit of time while we're you know leading up to NAIDOC week to um, pay our respects, also tribute to Ray Jackson who passed a couple of years ago. Oh, Ray, yeah. yeah, great man, great man. He uh, taught me a lot. It was yeah. back in the early nineties. I was a member of the uh, National Black Death in Custody Watch Committee, uh, and I'd go down to Mel- go down to Sydney uh, once every month for the meetings. <coughs> and uh, the Murray family would uh, keep us uh, all posted. They keep us all briefed on the developments in their case. And we had the uh, case up here in Brisbane of, of young Daniel York. So yeah. there were hot cases right across Australia. And it, it just doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. The, the arrest rates are still spiralling out of control. The incarceration rates are still spiralling out of control. So yep. the cops and the and the, uh, and, the and the cobbers uh, just think that uh, the natural place for black horses is behind bars. But that, that's wrong. That's it is wrong. total overrepresentation of um, incarceration of Aboriginal people. Okay, we're just about the end of our show. Um, Sam, thanks so much for coming onto the program. And, uh, oh, thank you. For thanks, Sam. And, uh, have a great NAIDOC week. You, you too. Happy NAIDOC week. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao. And we're near the end of our show. We've done quite a few interviews. Thank you very much. So we went from Victoria to New South <laughs> Wales to Queensland. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's approximately 4.56. We've got about one minute and then we're going to put the Black Fella, White Fella song. Um, from my rumpy band and beyond zero up next but just a quick quick um, note thank you so much everybody who donated to radiothon and in particular to the do and time show and please for the whole of the 3cr shows if you've pledged please pay whether that be dropping into the station whether that be by credit card or check um please um pay your pledges and that will help us a lot um, it's approximately 4.57. Tune in at the same time every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doin' Time Show. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Stay strong and take care.